This is episode three of the Capital Commute podcast with small business owner, Jake Smith. You know, Indianapolis, I just kind of had a sense like, man, there's something going on here specifically and I can kind of just see it. Welcome to the Capital Commute podcast, where we talk about investing in the heart of Indianapolis with an array of real estate investors. If you want to learn more about real estate investing in Indianapolis, you've come to the right place. Today, uh, really exciting, we've got Jake with us today. Uh, Jake is uh, someone I've known for a few years. He was uh, previously an ORF fellow um, and uh, worked at a small technology company, VC-backed company. Um, so we're excited to, to dive not, not only into his uh, tech background, but uh, specifically into his real estate background. Jake, thanks for uh, being here today, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, uh, it, it's great to be here and uh, just a little bit more about my background, I guess, in general. You know, I'm from Dayton, Ohio originally, uh, went to Indiana Wesleyan University, uh, ran track all four years, studied marketing. Pretty much as I was getting ready to, to graduate, I had a good friend that approached me and told me about uh, an organization called the Or Fellowship. Uh, it's an entrepreneurial group uh, here in Indy. I went through that process with Matt. Yeah, so um, I have to ask, what what uh, track what what you run? So I did the high hurdles. Mostly, I was going to guess. So. <laughs> I was going to say like long jump or something. I got the long legs, but uh, yeah, so went through that. I think, you know, in, in high school, I actually didn't hit my growth spurt until later, but I had some hops on me, so the coach was basically saying, you know, who wants to, to take their life in their own hands here and, and try to do the hurdles? So I kind of volunteered because I wasn't the fastest on the team, and thankfully kind of hit my growth spurt later on, gained some weight and all that kind of good stuff, and thankfully got a college scholarship, but yeah. Not too bad for a late uh, growth spurt in the yeah, scholarship. Yeah, not too bad, so I think I was maybe... 125 my freshman year and ended up 190 my senior year, so nice. uh, yeah, not too bad. So. <laughs> um, so cool. So let's talk a little bit about um, you know your real estate background. So obviously it's a real estate podcast. Um, you're in technology. So I guess first tell us a little bit about your you know you were at the War Fellowship. They placed you with a company. I believe that was Supply Kick, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. tell us a little bit about that and then. Like your thought process going into your first uh, first you know interaction with real estate. Yeah, so I'm assuming you weren't doing it in college, right? No, no, I took a, I took a class actually in, in college, but still very little knowledge. You know, my family uh, had never been involved in that, uh, but you know, got connected with Supply Kick, which is a, a e-commerce retail company. Started off with something different when I first joined, but. Uh, was part of the process of pivoting to what we're doing now as a business model, which is uh, helping brands with Amazon specifically and uh, trying to help their brand presence on there. So pretty interesting company, but uh, basically a year into the Or Fellowship, I, I know we had chatted actually yeah, I remember even that. during that process of kind of our interest in real estate, um, and I could just see pretty clearly in the Indianapolis market some, some really cool things were going on even then, just with different companies coming into the area, seeing different apartment complexes popping up, all that kind of good stuff. I'm sure you kind of remember yeah. that too. Uh, and there's kind of a group of us, and I think it was really beneficial for, for me. I don't know if it was for you, yeah. but I think it encouraged me to, to say, hey, I think these other people are seeing this. Well, I think there was, what, five of us yeah. that met up? I yeah. think of those five, at least three of us yeah. got yeah. into real estate like shortly after that. So, you, so you're having those conversations, you're <clears> like <throat> looking into real estate. Uh, at what point did you say, hey, I'm going to make a – I'm going to make a move. I'm going to take action. And I guess what was your thought process as you as you were doing that? Because that's got to be pretty scary too. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like a really big hurdle. Well, you know, no pun intended to, but uh, <laughs> on that. But I went back to a lot of my mentors back in Dayton, Ohio, and chatted with them. And actually, you know, some of them encouraged me not to do it. Uh, but the Dayton market is very different than here in Indianapolis. It's gotten a lot better, but you know, Indianapolis, I just kind of had a sense like, man, there's something going on here specifically, and I could kind of just see it. And uh, so, you know, I started just touring houses, trying to get a better idea. Where were you looking? Do you uh, pretty like much all over a specific neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, I always liked Fountain Square, where I'm actually at currently. But uh, I looked in Broad Ripple just because that's where a lot of the people from the Orr Fellowship uh, yeah. were at at the time. Um, but also looked at uh, Old North Side, which you know, beautiful higher, houses. Higher price point, man. I wish, higher price I wish point. I could have cash flowing <laughs> rentals in Old North Side. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful houses. Um, I know Sam wants to buy a house over there. I do. I think he wants to buy a house everywhere, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm still in the phase of every house that we go through, I'm trying to buy myself, and I just don't quite understand that I can't do that. So my eyes are bigger than my pocket right now. <laughs> so so I, you, looked in, uh, you looked in Fountain Square, and that's where you ended up landing, right? Yeah. So I, I toured a bunch of houses. I, you know, I, funny enough, went to a couple different uh, real estate agents just chatting with them, asking them a bunch of questions. You know, I think kind of the perception when you meet with a real estate agent at first was, uh, you know, are they pitching me the right thing? You know, whatever it is, you know, are they lying to me about the situation in the house, whatever. Mm. Uh, are they gonna knife you? Yeah, yeah, basically are they, you know, are they, are they pitching me a dream <laughs> I'm joking. Or, yeah, yeah so, a metaphorical knife. Yeah, yeah. Like, just pitching you a bad deal. Yeah, basically, so, you know, we'd go through houses and they would tell me, hey, this is, you know, what this is gonna all right, so you're you're talking to a couple agents. And they're <laughs> yep. showing you deals. You're kind of wondering, are 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 the because you're you're probably in a mindset where you're like, you know, you're you've been consulting with family members and friends. Some people are telling you not to do this. Some are probably encouraging you to get into it. And then you're taking that first step. You're looking at actual houses, and then you're trying to trust you know, these agents. Are they like sending me in the right direction, or are they just looking for a commission? So how how do you yeah. get through that that step? So honestly, it's. It, I was kind of, you know, I, no joke, I probably went through um, 40, 50 houses Jeez. just looking through them. Um, you know, and then I started kind of reaching out to different contractors and getting quotes around certain things that people would say, hey, this, I think this is going to cost you this after you buy it, that deal. Uh, just to kind of validate it. So thankfully I got paired with somebody that has become a good mentor in Indianapolis. Um, but really kind of what got me over the hurdle when somebody, the, the mentor guy just told me is, you know, it's in this market, it's it's really hard to, to lose, mm. you know, as long as you kind of know what you're doing and, you know. And this was 2016, right? Uh, yeah, 2016. Oh, yeah. So this is the first property. So I can go back to 2016. <laughs> There's a lot of deals out there. Yeah, and there was. I mean, it's, it, you know, I went through a couple houses and there was a couple that I probably should have moved on, but I was nervous about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then thankfully, you know, I just found one. I said, I'm going to do this one or I need to move on and spend my time somewhere else Right. Looking into this, uh, you know, and so started the process. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because I've kind of mentored quite a few other friends now through this process, and it is that initial step that's kind of the scariest. In all reality, at least it was for me. Yeah. You know, once you go through the inspection, all that kind of stuff, everything's pretty clear at that point. Uh, and, you know, well, you let, need to. Let's hone in on that, like maybe not in too much detail, but yeah. you. you you find that first one, you're like, all right, I've got to either buy this or I'm not going to end up buying anything, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, so met all your criteria. So then you put in an offer, 
offer gets accepted, you know, you have probably an inspection period, you know, you've got to get your financing lined up. You're probably yeah. talking to contractors, so you, um, you know, I agree, like a lot of the people we talk to, you know, they're really nervous about, you know, the, the inspection report. And a lot of times those, those reports are 50 pages long with probably mm-hmm. about one paragraph worth of actual important information. Um, so yeah. I think a lot of people get scared off on that specific aspect of it. Um, when you got your inspection report back, was there anything that, you know, you, you could have used and said, you know what, I'm not going to do this? I see that happen a lot too. Yeah, obviously you move forward with it. We wouldn't be talking about it. But. Yeah, I, you know, in, in general, they're meant to be scary because you're supposed to write up every little detail. In reality, I mean, it's kind of funny. You know, once again, this mentor kind of mentioned, you know, the house has been standing for, you know, hundred years in some cases. It's kind of <laughs> deal. It's like, is it really gonna, you know, evaporate yeah. overnight? <laughs> so it's like, okay, yeah, no, that's a good perspective on this and. Most of the stuff, it's like, you know, every house is going to have mold. Every yep. house is going to have certain things. As long as the structure is okay. So it had a little mold in the basement, I bet. A little bit of mold. Yep. You know, every every house does. It doesn't matter. Yep. You know, it could be a brand new house and it's going to have mold. But. Bleach water and uh, dehumidifier. Yeah. Yeah. I always say mold is gold. I've made some decent money on some deals where the mold, uh, you know, whoever, you know, the seller in the negotiation process, you know, really, you can you can make mold seem way more serious than what it really is. Oh yeah. And then that, to me, I see as more of an opportunity rather than a reason to get out of a out of out of a deal. That's an interesting point about the inspection as well. Specifically, if you think about it from the perspective of somebody who's looking to either just get in and like sell it pretty quickly, or do a buy and hold, or even like a flip, like a quick flip. You know, the the more things they see on there, they just see the the margins getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And yeah. if you don't have the resources to necessarily handle those things at the most a cost of cost effective way, well then they can build up. I remember when I bought my house, it was almost like the exact situation. I actually got mine after somebody had seen the inspection report on a pending offer before and backed out. Yeah. And so we had access to that and then had our own done as well. And it was really like pretty block and tackle stuff, but yeah, that's a that's an interesting point about how that can scare away like a good deal over yeah. something that's like cock. <laughs> well, for you, that probably shifted the uh, shifted the seller's mindset, right? They were they were oh, just yeah. under contract. You know, it probably took at least a few weeks to get to the inspection period, and they're negotiating, and then that buyer backs out. You know, so mentally they're in a different spot than they were. So mm. you come along and you've got that report, so now you have more information, and then you know you probably negotiated the price down a little bit more than you otherwise would have, would have been able to do. Yeah. And it, so what, again, it's opportunity, right? Absolutely. It's not necessarily a negative. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think we were both in similar, all, all of us were in similar situations where we all started our careers in technology companies through different programs here in Indianapolis. You know, one question I have for you, Jake, I mean, you're, you're still in tech. Matt and I have moved on to real estate full time. But what are some of the things that you've seen from some of your peers who are in tech or are starting their careers in a similar situation that you did that what are some of their big concerns that they have when when they ask you for advice about buying their first house or investment property I think in general it's you know for a lot of those people they're looking at the initial price tag and not really computing the fact that hey you're not putting all this money to, to buy this house just you know, outright you know mm-hmm. that's why you have these bank systems you have to have lenders on that situation and uh, you know I purchase, you know, I, I walked away uh, with a pretty good deal 
because of those issues in the house. Yeah, mm -hmm. I wrote that up. I, I created a deal where I was able to keep as much money in my pocket as possible to move on to. What, what was the price point on the house, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, I believe it was one eighty-five, four hundred eighty-five thousand. One eighty-five. Yeah. What was your down payment? What did you have to put into it? I think with because I worked out a deal where a lot of the fixes went towards the closing cost. Um, so I honestly think I probably spent maybe somewhere around three thousand dollars. Wow. So three thousand. So so let's let's <laughs> let's break that down really quickly. Here. So I'd imagine you did a um, three and a half percent down payment mm -hmm. to the FHA loan process and then you took your inspection and the negotiation period to negotiate down your cash to close so you weren't saying like hey i want the purchase price to go from 185 to 180. you 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 know your agent yeah. you, you said hey actually let's take three thousand in credit towards closing so let's say you know you're at 185 was the close amount and pull my calculator out here real quick so you're 185 Three and a half percent down, sixty four seventy five. So to get there around three thousand bucks, you know, you essentially negotiated, hey, I want thirty five thousand dollars off of closing costs. Yeah. So yeah. and they kept. I mean, I asked for basically everything to be included in the house too. So I moved in with pretty much everything in place wow. immediately. And but it was actually, you know, I had talked about the FHA loan process, but we actually wanted the conventional loan. Okay. Uh, since it is a, a first time buy for me. Uh, at that point in my life, there's actually a lot of opportunities mm -hmm. in Indianapolis with either lenders or banks to, to give you some pretty good deals. So I actually think with my first one, it was three and a half with conventional 30-year fixed. Um, what was your rate? Do you remember? Interest rate? Oh, I mean, it was... Had to be low. It was, it was incredibly low. Sub four? Probably sub, sub four. four. Yeah. yeah. Sub I four. mean, that's, that's like free money. Loaning conventional. Like, like yeah. let's think about that concept for a second. Like, a bank is willing to give, give you... Hundred, essentially like close to $185,000, basically free, and you can pay it back over 30 years. So like, le yeah. you know, that leverage is, a, that's what allows us to be able to use real estate as a vehicle to improve our lives at the end of the day. I mean, if you take a look at it, I mean, there's still some incredible deals around. I mean, Cotton Square is, is growing, but you know, you look at the houses and people say, hey, well, the market's getting a little crazy. And I'm still impressed with the prices, obviously, with stuff that's going around square I'm amazed with some of the deals I'm seeing yeah. still today but yeah that was an incredible one where it's right on you know location was great I, I've been around the market enough to know a house like this probably gonna sell on the weekend and what what do you do in terms how much rehab did you put into it so your uh, 185 purchase yeah you so did some of the work yourself right I did yeah yeah so I mean definitely did all um, aesthetic work so painting all that kind of good stuff uh, which I mean Side, you know, moles once again, just getting that bleach situation going. Uh, you know, there was one, I think this honestly, if you took a look, because they had a similar situation where I think somebody had a previous deal put in and then they backed down on it. But yeah, it, uh, they had one joist that had a crack in it, but that's an easy solution to go to Lowe's. They have some correctional uh, material that you can get for that. So I've, got, I've got a handyman, Steve, that's working <laughs> with me on a couple projects, and there's a, I had a a floor joist that just got cut in half, and then I had a termite issue. Like, mm -hmm. if you looked at it, you know, a structural termite person would probably try to say it's like ten grand. You know, it's just like hype it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve told me he's going to charge me twenty dollars an hour plus materials, and he'd buy materials and I'd comp them back. And so he fixed this. He put two beams up, 
fixed the termite damage, fixed the beam, and then patched it up with drywall. And he did that in like six hours. Oh, it's unbelievable. So, I mean, that was, it cost me like $300. Yeah, and he's like licensed, bonded, insured as well, just as for <laughs> yeah, reference. Yeah, so then, you know, I'm sure you doing a lot of that work yourself, like, that's probably saved you quite a bit there, too. Yeah, and I mean, obviously there's stuff that uh, I leave to some professionals, but we kind of live in a world where you can look up most things on YouTube anymore, oh, yeah. and a lot of that stuff is, is easily fixable. But I, once again, going back to the inspection report, you look at that, and they write it up like it is a scary thing. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and you have to ask the right questions. Hey, how serious is this this issue? You know, you go through the process like, and they tell you everything. Hey, you got to be aware of X, Y, and Z. And then you ask them, hey, is this actually a structure that hurt the house? Well, the inspection reports are funny too because it always says when it is something serious, even mold, structure, like anything that's actually important, it's going to be a potential yeah. high cost. It says consult an HVAC expert or consult yeah. a mold remediation expert. The inspection report really doesn't have a ton of value then anyway. It's going to take that effort and energy to figure out, you know, and, and yeah. you know, really just determine what is important and what isn't. And I'll tell you, now that I've gone through a, this process a couple of times, like you had mentioned, I use it as a positive thing. Yeah. If I find a couple things, I'm like, jackpot, you know, work that into the deal. Let's let's use this as leverage to, to give myself an even better opportunity. Uh, but I go in realizing, hey, this I'm willing to buy this house, you know, as it is. And then if I can get more, then so, so what do you what do you think? Like even calculating in, um, let's say, let's say you're kind of factoring in you're paying yourself for your time too. Like what, what would be like a round round number on what you thought rehab would be? For the house itself, I mean, I probably, I mean, realistically, uh, we spent two to three thousand. Yeah. So then, did you you ended up finishing that rehab? You lived in it for a period of time, and yeah, then did you rent it out while you were living there, or was it just no, you? No, it just me while I worked on it. I wanted to make sure I didn't uh, cause too many issues for somebody to live with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I could pay late in the night, you know, and stuff too. But, uh, yeah, it was just lived by myself for the year, and, um, uh, yeah, just kind of worked on it and had it all situated and ready to go. And then did you, did you end up, I mean, you kept the property, so I'm assuming you... Did you refi out? Like, did you refinance after the work was done, or did you just keep the same loan and then uh, rent it out to friends, or did you rent it out and just put it on Zillow? What did you do after that? So I, I kept the original loan just because it was I mean, it was a solid situation I was in, uh, but rented it out to a group of guys. One guy that I had a decent connection with, but uh, it is still renting, you know, with me ever since. How long has that been? So they've been. Two years, yeah. very good. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been a, a great situation. They've been really easy going. I mean, the nice thing about what Indianapolis has to offer is you get a lot of young professionals that, uh, you know, it's not partisan. You know, we don't have a ton of like college universities that are coming to mess up the yeah. house. It's a pretty good market to find some people that are just looking to live in a nice place and, and have somebody to rent from. What do you think you make on it each month, like cash flow? Probably do, I think it's. Wise, maybe 700. 700. So you did that for two years. So seven times 12. So I mean, you've made. I mean, you were 3,000 in on down payment, 3,000 on rehab, and in two years you're made making 700 times 24. So you're clearing. You've cleared 16,800 dollars roughly. You had 6,000 in. So I mean, our uh, our listeners that are finance experts, what is that like a 300 <laughs> percent? 
Yeah, and, and those 100% that aren't year over year return. Yeah, and those that aren't the the massive thing that you're hitting on as well is like essentially, and you and I have talked about this before, is you've eliminated your living cost by doing so, correct? Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, it's been been a process of. of Working towards that, but yeah, it's my whole goal getting into this, even in college, was man, wouldn't it be great if my living expense was just covered for? I didn't have to worry about that. If anything were to happen in my life, or you know, when I'm married, if anything were to happen to us, I don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. issue. So that's been my goal overall, and I haven't done it with just the first house, but right. I mean, it's been a process with a couple houses to, to try to get there. Because uh, the main thing you want to always cover for is if, if anything goes wrong, too. So I keep a lot of that stuff in the bank just to make sure, like an emergency fund. The stuff does go wrong. But right. In general, if you plan correctly, it's a very, very safe bet uh, in this market, I, I believe. At least well, and on this one in particular, like we, we won't be able to dive into your other uh, your other experiences, but you know I, I know you've done this three times now. So if it was similar to this deal, and I'm sure it probably was somewhat similar, you know, you've essentially eliminated your living costs like Sam talked about. You're making a really good return, you know, on the money you've, and, and time that you've put in on it. And I, I would guess that house that, you know, you had 188000 into is probably worth, you know, you'd know better than me, but I'd guess just with the way the market's moved, at least 215 220 now. So, you know, equity-wise, I mean, your net worth just by taking, you know, action. I mean, and let's go back to, like, you looked at 40 houses. Before you decided, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna move forward with this. I'm gonna do it, and I mean that that impact that you know, that's had on your life. I mean, it's pretty cool stuff. It's really oh, it's cool. It's been phenomenal. I mean, I've been extremely excited about it. I think everybody's been my mentors in general. Like, man, that's you know, we may have said no, but that was obviously a, a good move when you knew that. So it's been fun to see for sure. Very cool. All right, so I wish we could keep keep diving into your uh, your other opportunities, but uh, let's. I think now transition to the stoplight speed round. All right, so we've got the green light question. What is your favorite book? Can be real estate, can be, you know, historical nonfiction. It's up to you, man. I, you know, I love anything by Malcolm Gladwell. Outliers uh, too. I mean, that's kind of like a, I just I love stats around certain things and just realizing there's a bigger picture to everything. Yeah, outliers. That's a good one. It's yeah. like the doesn't it explain like like why people are successful or like it's more of like a mathematical like some yeah. of it's just super random and like when they're born and they're kind of oh absolutely talk about Canadian hockey players I mean some really interesting stuff around that you, you look at it and be like oh you know these people are just very talented when in reality they're born in January or something yeah, yeah <laughs> just like kids that are born a little bit earlier and they're put in a program just a little bit older than everybody else mm-hmm. uh, but they're just more developed one year on somebody or even half a year a lot of times it makes a big difference so sure. stuff like that I just find interesting it's like man there's kind of a unique perspective to everything it's not as simple as, as you may think yeah we'll put put that in the show notes so Malcolm Gladwell pretty much anything from him is good but outliers yeah. alright so the yellow light question what is your favorite restaurant in Indianapolis I know you're you know you're an Ohio guy but yeah, yeah. You can still get a great skyline at 86 in Michigan, but <laughs> I, I go not a Hoosier I make business. The, trip, the 30 minute trip, but I'd probably say, and this is located a couple places, but I go there pretty much every year for my birthday. The Eagle, mm-hmm. like the Southern, like uh, fried chicken. Another like Ohio stuff. business. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, really? Out of Cincinnati. He's just naturally drawn to the Ohio. I guess, yeah, Ohio. I just knew. As, <laughs> long as, as long as you don't start doing the OH chant in here, that's all right. That's... I'll, I'll wait until I'm outside. <laughs> yeah. 
That's great. No, the eagle. That's a that's a great spot as well. Yeah, the fried chicken with the honey. So red red light question, uh, what is like if you could live anywhere in Indianapolis, what neighborhood would you live in and, and why would you gravitate towards that area? Yeah, I think for right now, I mean I'm I'm just loving Fountain Square and what what's happening around. You know, obviously businesses still pop up and that's fun. And I've gotten to a point where, you know, Indianapolis is a small big city kind of so I've gotten to know a lot of people in the neighborhood. I know we didn't touch on this. I have a little flower shop downtown and get to see a lot of people that you know I, I sell to throughout the week. And so that's fun. I just got a dog recently, so I'm walking her around. You meet new friends that way too. And maybe uh, sell some flowers. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know they got some breweries opening up. You know, you got Brew Dog that just opened up. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Upland Brewery and so. Mylana, it's a good one, or the however you pronounce it, the Italian place. Oh there. yeah, yeah, just went there good too, one. and uh, Metazone, which is you know. Oh, I love Metazone. Yeah. Cut the down, cut friendly. So it's, I think, I I'd still enjoy that. If I was going to try to move anywhere else, I'd probably see the old, old North Side too. Nice. Just house-wise, I love the look of those houses. Sorry, you can only choose one day. I know, I know, <laughs> I failed, but it's all right. That's great. We'll no, say, that's we'll say cool. square. Well, we. Uh, square. All right. We appreciate you coming on with us, and, and hopefully we can have you back on for another episode. It sounds like there's some things we can dive into more on the specifics of some of your other houses, and, and specifically the flower shop as well. We'd like to hear more about that, but maybe season uh, two. Appreciate we'll it. See you. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jake.